Welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community, where we're convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. We're glad that you're here today with us. We are starting a series called Love, Sex, and God. Today is my wife Jeannie and I's uh, anniversary. Yeah, we've been married for 18 wonderful years, uh, which 18 out of 23 is pretty good, right? (laughs) She likes that joke and feels it's quite honest, actually. So it's interesting because there's been lots of buzz around this series as I get emails and hear about it and I think, what word in there created all this buzz? Like if we said, we're going to do a Love God series in August, ooh, right? I don't think you'd be nearly as excited. Um, and it's funny because you take these words and, and you, you combine them and you're like, love God, that makes sense. That's something for church. Love sex, that makes sense. But love, sex, and God, for many of us, all of a sudden you're like, ah, that's confusing, For some of you, it's embarrassing. It brings up shame. For some of you, it brings up frustration. For some of you, you feel like God's the one that creates these sort of rules about sex that kind of mess it up for you. Uh, When you put all three of these words together, you you, you kind of sit there and you go, I just, I don't know where to go or what to do with that. The church hasn't necessarily helped with this. Many of you grew, perhaps you grew up in churches where the theology was sort of sex is dirty. Save it for the one you love. And you were like, that's weird. Okay, I'll do. I guess that's what we have to look forward to. Uh, you, you know all about the, the do's and the don'ts and the what's and the what, but, but you really end up with this confusion And for most people, a dichotomy where they have their understanding of sex and their understanding of God, and they really don't want those two things in the same room at the same time. And so today, as just we begin this series, a series where hopefully we can deconstruct a lot of lies, we can reconstruct a theology of sex that is life-giving to you, whether you're single or married. But as we move into this series, I want to start with some foundational kinds of things. See, I think oftentimes we start with the do's and the don'ts. But underneath there is a worldview. In other words, there's an understanding of our story as God's people. Our understanding of what, who God is, what sex is, and who you are as a sexual person. And when that story is messed up and tweaked and off, then everything sort of goes downhill. So I want to start with the foundation. I want to start with the worldview. And, and what story are you going to tell with your sexuality? What story have you told? Are you currently telling? 
When you break these three words up, you take the word love and the word sex and the word God, these are three really powerful words. And they have the power not only to give life emotionally, spiritually, and physically, they also have the power to be destructive and to destroy emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And so you take a word like love, which a, a word that appears all throughout Scripture, a, a word whose definition is that God is love. And it means to regard with strong affection and care. It is the thing that you long for, that human beings cannot live without. And yet it has this dark side to it that moves towards greed or coveting or even abuse when it goes bad. You take a word like sex, which throughout scripture, the picture of sex is this vulnerable knowing. The word is to know. And it's this full knowledge that takes us back to the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve are naked and they're unashamed. And it's this picture of uh, a full, vulnerable knowing of a man and a woman. And yet throughout Scripture, we see the dark side of that as well. Whether it's adultery or fornication or rape or abuse. like We see the power of sex not only to give life, but to be really, really destructive. And then God... A word that for some of you has been misrepresented. And so you picture all kinds of things. An angry judge, a policeman, someone who's sitting there checking boxes to make sure you keep all the rules. But scripture gives us a picture of God as creator, as covenant maker, as redeemer, and as king. And yet... Our worship, as we were created to worship this God, can get tweaked and go dark as well. So rather than worshiping the God that you were made for, right, you worship someone or something, and Scripture calls that idolatry. And when you begin to worship something other than the one whom you were created for and can be fulfilled by, then your soul breaks. And dies and gets tweaked and you find yourself not in freedom but in bondage and in sin. So all three of these words, love, sex, God, they have the power to give life physically, emotionally, spiritually. But they also have the power to be really destructive. Really destructive. So the question is, when we put all three of those words Together, what happens when we don't kick God out of our sexual lives and we integrate these three words together, what happens to us and what story do we begin to tell? And so we're going to chase down singleness and marriage and what sexuality is really supposed to look like. And we are in a culture that is sexually charged. I don't have to tell you that. You know that. And yet, in a real way, it's sexually immature. It's kind of like 
you buy a Porsche, and it's a, it's a five-speed stick shift, just awesome, right? And you get in it, and you put it in first gear, and you just step on it, and you never shift, right? And you're just redlining, and it makes cool noise, right? It's just screaming. And everything you see on TV, it's like, that's what it's supposed to be like. It's a Porsche that's redlining. It's just awesome. It's that hookup. It's that song. It's that music video. It's like, that's how it's supposed to look. That is awesome. But the problem is, you don't get into a Porsche, right? You get into kind of like a Ford Pinto or something like that. (laughs) And you put it in first gear, and you pound it. And it's like, not really that impressive, but you're trying. And then two days later, it blows up. (laughs) And you're like, I don't get it. I did just what that guy was doing. And so you go to the mechanic, and what's he going to say? He's going to say, you're an idiot, (laughs) right? You don't know how to use this thing that, that was given to you. And unfortunately, it is a Pinto, but it's still a thing, and you don't know what to do with it. And because you don't know what to do with it, it's destructive. And we live in a culture that tells lies about God to say that this God's sort of dream for humanity and sex is bondage, and culture's dream is freedom. And I've sat with hundreds of people who would tell a different story than freedom. They would tell a story of destruction, right? And they usually are coming into my office because, you know, the engine blew up on this thing. And so we're left to answer that question today. What story are we going to tell as married people, as single people, as followers of Jesus with our sexuality. So turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 1. You've heard this passage before. It's at the very beginning. And in verse 27 it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So there's two things. He created them in his own image, which means that we're spiritual beings. And he created them male and female, which means we're sexual beings. And now when you think about the question, what percentage of you is sexual? Some people would be like, 10%. Some guys would be like, really high, 95 maybe. But the truth is, you're 100% sexual. You're not just kind of male or kind of female, right? You're 100% male or 100% female. You're 100% sexual. And so oftentimes, when it comes to our sexuality, the question that I want to ask is, where did that come from? Like, after you hit adolescence... The issues of longing and intimacy and arousal and attraction. Like, where did that come from? You didn't wake up one day at 13 and go, I think I'm going to make my body do some weird stuff now, right? (laughs) It happened to you. It just happens. And that happens because you are a 100% sexual being. 
And simultaneously, you are a spiritual being. You are made in the image of God, and you are 100% male or female. And that means that God created you this way. You can't separate your sexuality from your spirituality. They have to be integrated. And they both are going to tell a story about God and about you. And so the question becomes, what story will you tell? What story are you currently telling as a Christ follower about sex and about God? What story are you going to tell your spouse or your future spouse? What story are you going to tell your children? Because you're going to tell your children. I know some of you are thinking, I'm living my life, it's for me, it's private. No, no, you're going to tell them one day. So what story will you tell them? And what story are we telling the culture about God and about sex? The first question I want to ask or answer is what is the meaning of sex? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 6. What is the meaning of sex? In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul is talking to the church of Corinth and he's talking about the sexual problems that are occurring in the church. And in verse 15, he says this. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body? For it is said, the two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So flee from sexual immorality. All their sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you receive from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. He makes this... He, he takes these two realities that you are a spiritual being and you are a sexual being. And he, when he describes the sexual act, he says there are multiple things going on here, but you are united with Christ. And therefore you can't simply go unite yourself physically and sexually with anyone you want and not think that that doesn't have spiritual ramifications. There is something more going on here than simply the act of sex. There is spiritual mystery. And that's what sex is in scripture. It is a spiritual mystery. The idea that the man and the woman were both naked, they felt no shame, and the two became one flesh, that's a mystery. That is spiritual mystery. And it's preserved within scripture for this union, this lifelong commitment and union. But, but what it is in its nature is a lens 
into seeing the character of God, the covenant that he makes with us, the union that he calls us to, worked out in a relationship between a man and a woman in the act of sex. Now the other option is that sex is purely pleasure technology. Like it just exists for you to have an incredible sexual experience. And if that's the case, which culture seems to indicate it would be, that's what their gospel would preach, then the issue is intensity and frequency. Like you have to have intense sexual experience and hopefully you're having lots of them and you want to have different people involved in that because frankly it could be unromantic or even boring. And when intensity is, and, and frequency is sort of the God, then we're talking about a very different story. The story that's important within the covenant, this spiritual mystery that sex is, is continuity. It's hopefully there, there, there will be lots of intensity and lots of frequency, but it will be a continuous thing between a man and a woman year in and year out. And it will have highs and it will have lows. And some of you are like, yeah, I'm in, one of, I'm in that marriage, but I look out at culture and man, that thing looks awesome. That Porsche drives fast. I want to drive the Porsche. But here's the thing. It's a lie. Like... Sexual intensity, you can only keep up in the game so many times before you hurt yourself. You're going to blow up, right? You can't just keep going, I need another more intense experience. Because what your soul was made for, that this act was supposed to tell a story about God, not about you, primarily. And so rather than having intensity be the focus and frequency be the focus, it's really about continuity. And that God created sex to be a lens into the spiritual mystery between him and us. And the longer you stay on that journey, and the longer you stay in that story, that mystery starts to form you and trans. And if you've been married for multiple decades, then you've had had times where sex was really amazing and intense. You've had times where it was infrequent and frustrating, but, but you have had continuity. And that, that your sexual relationship tells a story about two people who have become one and are being transformed by the grace of God so that they can love each other and be generous with each other. And selfish with each other. But the simple act of holding hands points to a massive story of love and sexual relationship. So the question that you have to ask is what is sex to you? What does it mean? What does it mean? Is it for just pure Pleasure, and therefore intensity is the highest mark? Or is it, as God says, spiritual mystery? And therefore it's held in high regard with a great amount of respect. 
See, if you can get here, if you can begin with a foundation, with a view of the world, then the charge, when that Porsche drives by, you, you can sort of deconstruct the Porsche, right? That's not how you drive a car. Not everybody gets a Porsche, right? There's actually something more important than just flying down the road in your Porsche, that sex was meant to tell a story about God. So what story will you tell? The second question, if we answer the one about the meaning of sex, then the question is, who are you as a sexual being? What is your identity? Many of these ideas Stanley Hauerwas talks about. But one of the things he, he sort of uh, compares, he says, we are either covenant makers and covenant keepers or we're pleasure seekers. We're either covenant makers and covenant keepers or we're pleasure seekers, which means that your primary identity is someone made in the image of God who is 100% sexual, that you are either like God in that you create, you, you were made for covenantal relationship, relationships of promise and commitment and faithfulness. Or none of that's true and you're an animal who is primarily just made to seek pleasure, your own pleasure. Now again, there's two sort of things that will identify the character of each of these, depending on which one you believe. If you're purely a pleasure seeker, then again, it's intensity and it's technique and it's frequency. It's like you're going to figure out how to be the most amazing sexual animal in the world, right? But if you're a covenant maker and keeper, then it's, it's about a heroic fidelity. And that doesn't mean there wouldn't be lots of pleasure. And if you're married, work out all the technique stuff you can, or hurt your back, whatever it is. Like, just go crazy with each other. That's awesome. But the point is... That it's happening in the context of a covenant. Where in a culture of pleasure seekers, there would be a people of God who said that's not, that's not the lowest common denominator. We don't live for that. We live for a higher calling. Which means that we are people in relationships of promise. God made us that way. That's why it hurts when you break up, that's why it hurts when people abandon you. That's why those things, they're destructive. God creates covenant as a way of protecting souls. Because in God's economy, you are not separated between spiritual and sexual. You're a whole person who gets hurt and can hurt if you live life outside of covenantal relationships. So you were never meant to have sex with someone and wake up in the morning asking the question, will you still be here or will you still love me? 
You may ask the question, will you love me more? Will you love me deeper? <laughs> will we figure out a way to love each other longer? But the, but the bottom line is you were never meant to ask the question, will you be here? Will you be here? So what is your identity as a human being? Are you strictly a pleasure seeker or are you a covenant maker? See, if you're strictly a pleasure seeker, the the truth is God's call to this heroic fidelity, the kind of faithfulness that says I'm going to protect, I'm going to care, I'm going to cherish, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to sacrifice, I'm going to be frustrated, we're going to talk through it, we're going to make it because continuity is in line here, not just immediate satisfaction. Or you're just a pleasure seeker. And if you're a pleasure seeker, the reality is that fidelity could ruin that. It could mess it up, actually. If you're the romantic hero that is, has incredibly intense sexual experiences, your technique is something just really impressive. At least you are impressed by it. And, right? <laughs> but what could get in the way of that would be something as boring like the same person over and over, right? Or having to resist the temptation that comes at you at work because you're in a covenantal relationship. So if you're purely a pleasure seeker, then you will by nature break covenant eventually. But if you are Bearing that image of God, a covenant maker and a covenant keeper, then you are something radically different in this world. You are someone who, as a single person, can be chaste, right? Which is a word for sexually faithful, pure. You're not just trying to protect your virginity. You are in a covenantal relationship with Jesus Christ. So to abandon that would be to abandon him. That's character, not behavior. That's who you are, a covenant keeper. If you're married, then you are faithful. And you fight for faithfulness. And you protect and you love and you respect. But both of those are character-based. Like something God has done in your life shows up in your sexuality. Both reflect character. And both reflect somebody that was changed by Christ. And so what story will you tell about who you are as a sexual person? What story have you told this last year? When we can foundationally start with the meaning of sex and our identity as a sexual person, then everything else that we talk about can build off of that. You will also be able to navigate your way through all the sexual landmines of our culture, which are massive, right? But you'll be able to look at the Porsche flying by and go, the dude is driving in first gear. And it might look awesome, But I know where that car ends up. That's not who we were made for. That's not why sexuality was given to us. 
Right? You'll, be able, you'll be able to navigate with things like discernment and faithfulness and a spiritual eye that looks, can look past your hormones in the midst of temptation. So, what does sex mean to you? Do you stand with Scripture and declare that it is a sexual, that it, that it is a spiritual mystery? A spiritual mystery that requires continuity so that throughout the years we can enter deeper and deeper into the spiritual nature of our sexual relationship in the marriage covenant? Or are, is it just a technology of pleasure to you? And then who are you? Who are you as a sexual person? Are you a covenant maker and a covenant keeper who spends your energy in heroic fidelity to that other person or to that future person? Or are you simply a pleasure seeker where intensity and technique and frequency and a revolving door of people is the most important thing to you. You have to answer that question. But my, I will stand with scripture. That God has a spiritual mystery that he is inviting you into. Some of you are in it and you haven't recognized it. Some of you are preparing for it. You're longing for it. But it is a beautiful thing. And it is something that after 23 years of marriage, I can tell you that continuity piece is the, is the core of it. As many highs and lows and whatever you would want to say throughout the years, it is that story that our lives are getting to tell to our children. A story about God and his grace. I will stand with the idea that we're covenant makers and covenant keepers and sometimes covenant breakers. And we really can't escape that even if we wanted to. If somebody came up to you today and said, hey, I had sex last night, you would say, with your spouse? And if they say, yeah, you'd be like, okay, why are you telling me this? this is, I don't get this. But if they say no with somebody else, you're like, a bomb just went off in that house, in those kids' life, in that marriage. Why? Because we are covenant makers and covenant keepers. And these covenants bind souls together in the protection of God. And when they're broken, cars blow up and people get hurt. So I think... We are not reduced to just simply pleasure seekers. And as much as culture will throw money and sex and all kinds of paraphernalia at us to, to tell us that, we must stand and tell a different story with our lives. One of the most important ways you tell that story is you tell that story sexually with your own sexuality. Now, as we come to this table, we come to a table that 
is a table of covenant making. A, a, a table of spiritual union. A, a, a table that was prepared for us by a God who said, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my blood that's poured out for you. This is the new covenant. This unconditional love so that you could come and be called sons and daughters of God. And that covenant is made through the faithful character of Jesus Christ. And I know that as we talk about this, that there are a lot of you whose sexual stories are about pleasure-seeking, about trying to find acceptance, uh, about trying to separate your spirituality and your sexuality, and you said, oh, it's going to be great. I know for many of your stories, you've broken covenants, and people have been hurt. And some of you are here today, and you've been hurt by those who have Use love, sex, and God in the wrong ways. And I want to tell you that is this invitation from God to say, would you be people who live out of a different worldview and a different foundation? Would you see sex differently as spiritually, and would you see yourselves as covenant makers? I know that many of you need to come here today and start over. And you need to hear the words of Christ over you that says, confess your sins that you may be forgiven. That when you confess your sins, God is faithful and he's just and he will purify you and cleanse you. That you can come as sinners and rise as saints. You can come and receive healing for the wounds that you bear. And then we can go and begin to tell a different story about God and about sex and about how those two things tell the same story. Let's pray. Father God, as the worship team comes down, as the prayer team comes down, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move among us, that we would be people... um, who are unashamed of you and unashamed of your story. That we would be people of wisdom who who understand sex as the spiritual mystery that you created it to be. That we would see it as a lens that we can learn about you through. That we could celebrate it in the context of marriage. And that God, we ourselves would be a people who would understand ourselves not as mere pleasure seekers, but as people who are covenant makers, covenant keepers. And so, Holy Spirit, as we come to this table, I pray that as people come, you would create freedom to repent and of our sexual stories that have gone wrong and that we have lived them poorly. The covenants that we've broken, 
and that you would grant forgiveness. Cleanse and purify us, God. Heal the wounds of those who have been victimized by people who have not kept covenant. Father, I pray this morning that you would create a new foundation in our lives that we could live a a story uh, that is true to you and true to who we are. A story that we're proud to tell our spouses or our future spouses and our children and our community because it's a story that's telling the truth about you. So God, today, would you come by your spirit and do your work in and among us, at this table, and in prayer we pray. In Christ's name, amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you are interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.imagodaycommunity.com.